Welcome to Ontario Outdoor Pursuit, your total Ontario hunting podcast. What's up, everybody? Ontario Outdoor Pursuit back with episode number six. Last week, we talked a little bit about our website launch. It's up, rocking, and we got some photos up there already. And we are going to get some recipes, some videos, and we did our first product review tonight. We had lots of new stuff come in from Titanium Archery products. So without further ado, um, you guys check that stuff out, please. Don't forget about our Instagram accounts, Marcello Bondi and CamLD19, as the Instagram Ontario Outdoor Pursuit. Don't forget to be sending those stories and photos in because we'd love to share them. We got lots to show. Followers are coming in left, right, and center, and it's great. We're super happy with it. This week we're going to be talking a little archery tech, uh, some more products, different techniques. Um, so why don't we start out with something simple and basically your first step, the drawing process. Yeah, so drawing process is obviously the motion of you drawing back your bow. And so once you're set up with your proper draw length, which you should be able to know how to do, roughly it's going to be your arm span divided by two and a half in inches, and that's roughly your draw length. Uh, your bow shop should be able to set that up pretty good. So for me, draw process, my bow arm, for I'm a right-hand shooter, so my left arm comes up. Um, I focus on my point, I put my anchor, my uh, release on, and I slowly draw back to my anchor point. So that drawing process, though, should be smooth. If you're struggling to draw your poundage, you should lower your down. Um, you don't want an overdraw, you don't want an underdraw, you want it to go right up to where you're going to anchor. And it should just be a nice, fluid, smooth motion. Yeah, uh, I'm a right-hand shooter myself as well, so... Uh, for me, we'll get into it a little later as well. Uh, we both shoot a different type of release. So for me, my motion is to bring up my left hand, which is my bow hand. I place it um, with the sight on what it is I'm going to be shooting at. And at this point, my release, my wrist release is already attached to my D loop. So once I'm focused, I take a breath usually and I draw back. I've got the string lined up with the corner of my nose and my first knuckle at the bottom of my ear and back jawbone. Yeah, and that's really comfortable for you. Um, for me to anchor with my handheld thumb release, I come back, my first finger and my middle finger make a V on my jawline, and those lock right into my jawline. So then the string touches the tip of my nose, and as it comes down to my release, it actually crosses over the corner of my mouth, and with that, I'm really stable, and I can see right in through my peep sight. Obviously, the my sight is centered perfectly in my peep site, the housing of it. So I can see if I'm off by any chance. I know I'm right away anchored. Yeah, that's pretty much what my anchor is. Uh, so why don't we talk a little about a quote everyone should know, aim small, miss small. Yeah, so aim small, miss small is probably one of the greatest things that we've kind of figured out over the years. Yeah. If you're shooting a target that's, I don't know, say six inches, if you are hitting those six inches, you're pretty happy and you think you're good. But realistically, six inches is huge. Yeah. So even if you're shooting five spot where you're aiming for the X ring, take it a notch down, aim for that little tiny X. Or like if you're shooting 20, 30 yards at the range um, and it's just like a normal bup target, we always, instead of choosing just a spot on it, choose a little spot. Or we put little nail heads up with uh, paint on them and then you have a little one. So then that lets you tighten your groups up over time to actually because you're aiming for a smaller target over and over again, and it's actually a lot more accurate. Yeah, easy uh, backyard little tip if you got a target at home. Um, I just repainted mine, for example, so on uh, every corner of the target, I got a little white 3-inch 
circle and within that circle I'll draw a like it might be red or black or a nice green um, it'll be like the size of a toonie and that's constantly what I'm aiming for so as long as I'm in the white now I'm shooting three inch groups and as long as I can get hit that toonie spot then I know I'm doing my aim small miss small part yeah. and that's an easy you know if if you got something at home you can make a homemade target but start out with that draw a couple small three inch circles little dot inside you can put an x there if that's what you want to aim for but that's the beginning part yeah aim small miss small is actually one of the things that helps you become a better archer by really changing nothing you're still shooting a target you're not changing anything about you but it'll actually tighten your groups up also long distance shooting uh, will tighten up the short distance groups. so uh, a good we've probably mentioned it before in previous casts if I want to shoot a deer at 30 yards ideally I want to be practicing at 60 and that's been a proven fact uh, a lot of people shoot that kind of technique what do you like to do um, well when I'm kind of back into it I like shooting at the hundred yards because like you said if I shoot 60 my 30s and my 20s tighten right up yeah all of a sudden you start shooting hundreds your 60s starting to tighten up yeah and you just keep going further and further until you just find a distance that you're not really grouping well at and then push past it eventually and get better. And so you're, before I used to think that 60 yards was almost an impossible shot when I started. Now it's like I can hit a 60-yard target, no problem. In fact, three years ago I had my first Robin Hood on a 60-yard target on the X. That's it was pretty the, wicked. It was the coolest thing ever. That's a long shot. That was a long shot back then. Now yeah, 60 yeah. yards is, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Um, now it's like 100 and. 10 is where it starts to get long for me i really yeah. start to notice that so i think that for me this year i'm going to be working on over 100 yard shots yeah i think it's kind of funny we people ask us you know like why do you shoot 100 yards not going to kill an animal at it it's true but the fact is we're going to be tightening our smaller groups at it and it's kind of fun just to watch an arrow go down range at 100 yards because you, there's such a long delay yeah from when you release it to when you actually hit the target yeah that arrow likes to fluctuate a little bit a little up and then big down once you get down to 100 yards oh yeah if i'm like beside cam and he shoot it's like a straight up arc in the air in the air pause in the air. pause pause oh, yeah. <laughs> boom hits the target and it's just it's cool to see that that kind of delay and that arc happen so at 100 yards and even 110 yards um what in your shot what are you trying to visualize so the first thing i'm visualizing is my little point that i want to hit yep. i'm not just aiming for that big yellow target um, I'm aiming for something small within it. I want to visualize my release going off, my arrow flying through the air, my bow staying up, and I want to watch that arrow travel through the air. One of the biggest problems is some people drop their bows. Actually visualizing what a perfect shot should look like helps you get that perfect shot. Right. You don't want to think about, oh, what happens if this happens? You don't want to think about all the errors that could go wrong. You want to think about your perfect shot. So obviously the longer your draw length is, to an extent, will give you a faster arrow. Right. Um, if you have a 30-inch draw out of the same bow, that you'd have a 27-inch draw. Depending on where that, how much that cam will rotate, you're actually gonna have more speed. Um, but it's more important to have an actual proper draw length than to just kind of crank it up and try to get some more speed out of it and have a improper draw length. I guess the, one of the big things is if your elbow is facing down, you're overdrawn. Um, you want to be able to have that elbow up really high because then you can actually fire your release properly. So with my releases, when I use them, it's elbow up high. My thumb sits on the barrel and I start to basically push that elbow towards, if I had that elbow out of touching a wall, I'd try to break through that wall. 
And that what's that doing is it's tightening your deltoid muscles in your back. And so with that motion, it kind of slowly, slowly starts to click that release till it breaks and then it fires. Um, I know you have high elbow as well. Yep. You have a good proper form. Um, nice T formation. I just, you see a lot of people sometimes are hitched at the hips on Instagram. A lot of Instagram heroes have a lot of yeah. hitching problems. They kind of look like a door hinge tilted either backwards or forwards. And so that kind of causes some inconsistency issues. Another one I want to mention in there as well, um, is leaning into the site, I guess you could say, or leaning into the peep. Um, if you're at full draw and you have to tilt your head and kind of bend into the peep to see the housing on your site, your draw length is not appropriate for you. Yep. You're going to have to fix that. You want to be standing up straight. You want to have your elbow up, your deltoids are crunched, and you should be ready to fire at a very vertical. You should be able to have a nice straight back. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's something your local bow shop can help you out with. But that's also another one that I see a lot of. Yep. Yeah, I think, so the easiest way to set it up is stand up straight without your bow, look to, I'm right-handed, so I look to my left when I shoot, so look to your left, put your, both arms up like you're making a T formation, grab your release hand, bend it over, and that's, that. not that that's where you're going to be anchored, but that's how straight your back should be. Your arm should, your le- bow arm should still be straight out. Um, elbow out a bit, because you don't want to catch it on the string when you fire it. Um, at that same token, you don't want to have a super erect arm. No, exactly. Either. No, you don't want it completely locked in. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you don't want to have like a bend. Some people have short draws and they kind of bend too much. Yep. Yeah. But like you said, with the head, you should be able to draw blind, like blindfolded or closed eyes, find your anchor without moving your head, open it and be in the right spot. You should be able to see your peep. Um, sometimes you see people draw back and they're kind of fidgeting their head left and right. And if you're struggling to put your head into place you're actually using a lot of muscle to stay there which makes you over time get more fatigued because you're using muscle which makes you twitch um and it's more inconsistent now i've had the chance to shoot uh, a few of your releases mostly the knock-on products and there is quite a difference going from and i'm not pushing one way or the other because i actually shoot a wrist release myself yep um i am slowly weaning off of that waiting for the next knock to it's to come in and i'll be getting my hands on one of them but i notice a difference when i shoot yours the anchoring point is obviously going to be different yeah it's a but little it off. almost seems as if there's less room for error um your anchoring point comes up to so when we talked about the elbow position with a thumb release it allows me to it it's not so for ease of terms we'll say it's not so comfortable with a wrist released that your elbow is straight back with the thumb release your elbow is really pointed up and you're able to get like you said you're touching the back wall you want to break through that wall and there's your full motion a lot of wrist release a lot of people are comfortable you got your thumb and your hand is actually the top of your hand is placed in an upright position to the sky we'll say and that in terms will actually bring your elbow to drop yep so if anyone could see me right now marcello (laughs) will know um in a wrist release my elbow is now pointed up with the wrist rocket i'm now pointed down so that could also be a flaw as well so with that being said um you you definitely want to really practice with what you're using a lot um i've obviously learned to keep my elbow up high and still have good form with my wrist release so i just want to make sure that everyone else can do that as well 
Um, but one thing you mentioned you notice is the form in which you shoot with a thumb release. So why don't you brief on that? Yeah, so I see a lot of pitchers and sometimes people at the club too. Um, When you use a handheld release, so picture your hand out flat, knuckles facing upwards to the sky, and you're holding a handheld release. If you turn it to your face, you're roughly on a 45, maybe a little less, into your jawline locked, and that's that's perfect. But what I see is a lot of people turning their hand 90, so now their pinky finger is pointing at the sky, basically. It's straight up, your knuckles are running in a vertical line, and their hand's cranked, and they're anchored like that. And the thing is, though, you're using a lot of muscle to torque it over like that. Um... And it's also not good for another reason, and that's if you have a short D-loop, you're going to be able to torque your bowstring a lot. So if you have a long D-loop, what happens is if you're, um, so most, I guess to start, most wrist releases have a swivel head. Yep. So it doesn't matter what angle your hand's torqued at, it's still going to be 90 degrees um, to the D-loop, but most handhelds don't have swivel heads. So if you take if you put your release on your string and you start to twist it, you're going to start to twist your D-loop, which in turn twists your bowstring. So the shorter your D-loop is, the more that torque is going to transition over to your bowstring. So if you have a little bit of a longer D-loop, where I shoot a three-quarters inch D-loop, um, mine, I can torque it and it's not going to affect my bowstring. But with a short D-loop, it really starts to come into play for other people. Yeah, that's a real good point. Yeah, so as everyone knows, more torque on the string affects accuracy in your shot just don't crank that hand all the way inward because you know you're using more muscle you're torquing your bow now and it's just kind of not good for anyone yeah that doesn't matter if you're shooting a two finger a four finger thumb release yeah uh, i think it's more obvious in the four fingers though. oh yeah like you see it more um i like the two fingers i rest my third right on the edge of it but it's barely even on there mm-hmm um, but it's definitely more noticeable in the four fingers than the two finger shooters. Yeah, as you said, you almost just want to keep your index and your middle finger yep. just centered of your jawbone line. Yeah, ro- just rocked right into that jawline. It should just nestle nicely. Yeah, and the thing is, though, you don't want to push too much inwards, though, because then you get facial pressure of your string, which. And that's is... another thing that I often notice, too, is yep. someone's got a cranked nose, and now they've got this string line along their cheek. It's, yeah, it's unnecessary it's, it's, to have that pressure. It's digging into their cheek, and then if it digs in your cheek, you get what's called facial pressure, and that can actually affect the shot process because now instead of the bowstring going straight forwards towards the riser, it has to come out and then whip back into the riser. I mean, it's, it's almost unnoticeable. Better but... just take your beard hairs off. Yeah, or, or it hurts like hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's something that affects your accuracy at the end of the day. And facial pressure is something where once you reach a certain level, it starts to become more apparent. Um, starting off, though, I never even thought about facial pressure, but it's something that has a play in the archery world. So while we're kind of talking to arms up and uh, keeping that elbow in the air, I wanted to mention about leaving your arm up until you're arrow has reached the target um and you mentioned a little bit about bow drop yeah and someone dropping the bow before their shot is finished yeah. so sometimes talk on that. sometimes it's all subconscious right you make the shot you put your bow arm down without noticing you're looking right at the target because you want to see your arrow you want to see where you hit but the problem with that is if you drop your bow arm too fast and not just letting your bow rest there you're actually pulling the shot down. So with a dropway rest, it's not as effective. With a whisker biscuit, you're going to be losing a lot of accuracy. Um, with the shorter brace height, you're going to be noticing a bigger difference because your string's in contact for longer. Well, sorry, your arrow's on your string for longer with your draw. 
Um, so when you're taking your shot, you want to actually keep your bow up, watch that arrow hit the target through what you were staring at. Leave that bow arm up. Once that you hear the sound, you can take your bow arm down. And you might think it looks goofy, but leave it there until it's hit and then let it drop. Yeah, if you watch recurve shooters, actually, when they drop, their hand stays there, but their bow actually swings all the way down. Yeah. They do a fancy little flick, but their bow comes flying down, but their arm stays up. And so that's the thing that a lot of beginners make, um, kind of make have an error in doing that. And so you kind of see it a lot in the new entry shooters, and it's something that you might not think about because you're thinking, oh, I'm leaving my arm up. But subconsciously, you're already dropping it because you want to see that shot. You want to see, oh, did I hit that 10? Oh, did I hit that deer? Wait till you hear the impact. It's something to remember right off the get-go as a beginner. Don't don't make that mistake. No, and it's, it's something that actually has a lot of effect on the bow, especially with a shorter brace height. So, Cam, do you want to touch base on brace heights and longer versus shorter, what they do, kind of? Yeah, so brace height, I to simplify it, I guess, could be um, one bow is going to be more forgiving, the other bow is going to be faster. Right. Um, and that kind of comes into a longer brace height and a shorter brace height. So myself, I shoot a seven inch brace height with the Bowtech Rain, and that's a more forgiving bow than the Rain 6. And with the Rain 7, um, a longer brace height, you're going to be more um, steered towards the target shooting than a shorter brace height where you're looking for speed and something less forgiving. With the 7, you're not going to notice as much um, for flaws as you would in a shorter brace height bow. Yeah, it doesn't magnify your mistakes yeah. as much, right? And so a shorter brace height, you're going to... Um, something that is mentioned is an IBO speed. Yep. And do you want to just say what IBO speed is quick? Yeah, so IBO speeds, uh, usually most manufacturers use an IBO rating to give a rough speed of their bow. So an IBO is a 30-inch draw at 70 pounds, and it's an unfletched arrow. I forget the weight of the arrow, but it's a, it's a set weight. And basically, at 30 inches at 70 pounds, that's coming out of the bow unfletched. That's your IBO rating. That's how, feet per second, how fast your bow's shooting. Right. So as we kind of discussed earlier, we kind of talked behind the scenes, if you will. It's not that it's unachievable, but when you're going to buy your bow and it says, you know, the new bow is now shooting 300 FPS, you're not going to get that right off the hop. And you probably won't see that with your setup no. because you're not shooting the poundage that the statistics have been shot at. Well, you're not shooting an arrow that's unflatched. Well, 70 pounds. I'm shooting 70 pounds. You, you're right. Sorry. You're shooting 70 pounds. But you're not going to be shooting an arrow that's unfletched. No, I'm not shooting 30-inch draw. Unless we want to start ranging some time <laughs> and getting our own IBO speeds, then... <laughs> the speed freaks is the selling feature, right? Yeah. Like, some guys want the fastest bow out there because they think that's going to blow right through the deer faster. Yeah. Um, if it's faster, you're going to have less arrow drop over distances. There's advantages to having a faster bow, but, I mean, for more people that don't get out as much as we do, a more forgiving bow is better. And 7 inches is kind of the perfect... Um, hunting setup and yep. lets you do 3d as well six inches is a little faster and kind of lets you um doesn't really magnify your mistakes crazy mm-hmm. um i know the new rx1 turbo from hoy is five and three five and seven eighths brace or something it's really short but it's a really fast bow i think it's right. 350 350 350 is pretty good i think mine's 345 yeah. yeah my uh my bear was rated for 330 and i know with my arrows i was getting 290 through the chronograph so even with a longer brace height you can still achieve the speed not like you will with the shorter but yeah. you can still achieve the speed with um looking up 
proper weight for your arrows, the fletching you have on the arrows, what kind of tip you're shooting on the arrow. There's a lot of factors that go into play when, you know, if you want to really measure your IBO speed, but you're right, there is a lot of IBO freaks out there that just want the fastest bow. Yeah, speed freaks. Yeah, and something that's going to blow through a deer, well, you kind of want, you know, good penetration, but for me, the forgiving bow allows me to be uh, a little more accurate. Oh yeah, you with, were killing. You, know, it you never know spot. what situation you're gonna get into. Mm-hmm. You killed it at five spot. Yeah, absolutely. that bow was awesome. Um, and before I forget, so the reason why shorter is a little faster is because your arrow stays on the string for longer, so it's actually pushing it for longer, um, like longer distance and longer time. But it's less forgiving because if you drop your le- your bow hand, that arrow is still on the string for a little bit longer than a short than a longer brace height. Whereas a longer brace height that arrow leaves the string a little faster. So if you drop in that last, you know, whatever it is of a second, the arrow's already in the air. Once it's in the air, unless it's contacted by something on your bow, it's not going to actually affect the shot. Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't use speed as something, a determining factor to buying a bow. Yep. I would almost leave that as not one of the last, but not as important. No, I think feel is more important and comfortable. Comfortable. Um, So while we kind of talked about speed, what do you think the... There's a huge debate out there for hunting about kinetic energy versus speed freaks, where some people think, you know, I want to be able to shoot over 320 feet per second with their setup and blow through deer versus the guys that are like, I want to have a certain amount of kinetic energy with a slower arrow to break through sections of the deer. And so if you hit a bone, you're going to actually penetrate further. Um, It's kind of a big debate going on. What do you think? Okay, so I think a lot of people are after just speed and don't really understand the whole speed kinetic energy field so the way i kind of like to look at it and this is very simple is take a jello block if you're going to shoot a short uh brace height at this block with the arrow setup that you have you're going to get to this block faster than you will if you've got a longer brace height now with kinetic energy you're going to be looking for something that has a little more weight you're going to get to this block slower, but your penetration is going to be further than it would for the arrow that got there faster. Right. You're delivering more kinetic energy. And from a hunting point of view, uh, for myself, obviously I'm looking for more penetration than I am for the speed. Absolutely. I don't care. You can throw a feather super, super fast. Yeah. Or you can throw a brick at someone. Yeah. Slow. (laughs) Exactly. I'd rather not get hit by the brick. Exactly. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we kind of just did some quick math on your old setup for yeah. your old Matthews and your old everything. So you were shooting roughly, what would you say, 350? 350 grain arrow that includes um, everything. That's the field yeah. tip, the insert, the knock, the vein, um, yeah. and the, the Rough. fletchings. Yeah. Um, and obviously you're not hunting with a field tip. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyways... You're delivering roughly 64 foot-pounds kinetic energy, yep. which is going to take out a white tail, no problem. Yep. Um, you dig right into a bone, though, you might not. Exactly. But So if cams, the way kinetic energy works is it's speed and weight, and that gives you your actual power to penetrate. So if you have a faster bow, I get it. You're going to be able to penetrate deeper, but the problem is when people think, oh, if I have a lighter arrow, I'll have a faster shot, but they're neglecting the fact that they can penetrate deeper with a little bit of a slower arrow that weighs more. Yeah. And so I think that debate's kind of closed because we just kind of... I think that's it. Yeah, you can't you can't argue against that. Those are facts. Yeah. And why, why would you... I understand jumping the string and stuff. Yeah, a little bit of speed. 
Um, but I think the noticeable difference between a 280 foot per second bow versus a 200 or a 320 yeah. feet per second arrow, like ver- those two setups, I don't think the deer's going to be able to really notice the difference. No, your impact's going to be, you know, quite crucial. Yeah, we're talking less than a second of difference. Yeah. Um, between contact time. And a, a broadhead, obviously, is an important choice. Yeah. So for the listeners, what um, your draw length and your draw weight on your current setup? So for draw length, I'm shooting a 27-inch draw, and my draw weight is set for 61 pounds. Yep, that makes sense. I know I'm 28.5-inch draw. I shoot 70 pounds. Uh, my bear, I was set at 71, but I think the new Hoyt's going to come in right at 70. Right so. on. That makes not that easy yeah we're uh we're not that far off yeah very close Um, yeah and you shot at 70 now for a little while yeah i uh that's another thing uh, i guess that is kind of overlooked is people wanting to shoot more than they can handle right right that's a good topic if you can just pull back on 80 pounds great but how long can you hold 80 pounds for yeah like i think i could draw an 80 pound bow no problem yeah I would get tired quick, though. Oh, very. Um, so I know when I started, I was right at 45, my first bow. Um, like, my first compound bow, 45. And then two years of owning that, I went up to 55. And then I had that for about a couple months, and I said I can go to 60. So I went to 60, and then I shot that for about two years. And then when I bought my next bow, I bought a 60- to 70-pound model. And as soon as I got that bow, I set it at 70 pounds, and that was four years ago. So I've been at 70 pounds for the last four years. I know I could jump up if I want to, but realistically, 70 pounds is fine for me. I think it'll blow through any animal I need to. And the one thing that not a lot of people consider is in the cold, it sucks to draw a bow. Yeah. Um, 70 pounds when it's negative 15, your muscles are stiff, and it is difficult to draw that bow back. Yeah. What about you from your jump, your first, uh, how you got here? Uh, I started out at a 40-pound draw weight, and then I went to my Matthews Creed. That was a 50-pound, 50, 50 but obviously in the increments that you can adjust it, it was 54 pounds is what I shot the Creed to be. Okay. Um, and I shot that for three years at that, and that was, I think, maybe a year, maybe even two years too long. Yeah. But... Um, you know, we kind of got together after a few years of not really hanging out and seeing each other. If anyone didn't know, me and Marcello grew up <laughs> together. But there was a few years where we didn't really hang out or get together or anything. Um, Definitely didn't have drinks together. Then. <laughs> um, so when, you know, we got out to shooting at Forest City, I shot your bow a couple of times and that was 70. And I knew 70 um, wasn't too much to draw, but I wouldn't be liking to hold 70 pounds for a long time. Yeah. So I found my happy medium, and that was 60. Yep. I draw you, that back, no problem. You can hold back there and make your nice slow releases when we're shooting target, no problem. I can sit there and hold 60 for a long time. Oh, absolutely you can. And I think the great thing is as you progress in your archery career, you kind of are able to find what you like. So yep. I know there's people out there that will be like, oh, I shoot 90 pounds. It's like, okay, but how many times can you do that? Yeah. Can you shoot a full 300? Like, can you shoot a five-spot style where you're shooting 60 arrows? Yeah. Um, you can only shoot. You have to shoot five arrows in four minutes, and you have to make those count with ninety pounds. Yeah. And there's not a lot of people that can do that, unless your name's Cameron Haynes. <laughs> that's a little different. Yeah. That guy's a beast. 
yeah, he's he's something else. Yeah, I know Joe Rogan just got his Black Mama built, and that's eighty pounds. Yeah, but those guys are extremely physically active. Yeah, um, and they've been shooting for a decent amount of time. Yeah, and so I think for the most common hunters around here, we're looking within that fifty to seventy pound range for white-tailed yeah. deer, no problem. Your fifty-five pound bow went right through a bear. Yeah, that was a clean pass through at thirty-six yards. Yep. So I mean, that's if you had a lighter arrow, maybe it wouldn't have gone all the way through. Yeah. Which brings us kind of back to that kinetic energy thing exactly and it's it's important i picked an arrow specifically for that reason you know i'm not a tournament shooter by any means but i'm going to be participating in a lot more of them this year Um, but i'm still going to use the same arrow oh absolutely i i I like that it shoots as well as it does for uh, the 3d and tournament style shooting but i like what it delivers in the hunting field as well absolutely that thing kills animals yes it does so Normally when we do these podcasts real quick, we kind of rehearse some stuff and we kind of say what we're going to talk about. I'm going to throw Cam under the bus and just ask you a random question. Let's hear it. Um, if you could, if someone was starting out archery, they got their gear or whatever, they're all set up. If you can give them like, you know, your top three tips of how to get better and it was just three tips, what would you say? Oh, that's a, that is a good one. Yeah. I sh- didn't have time to do my homework for this one. Oh, I threw you under. Um, I would start out with... Aim small, miss small. It's archery. Um, you're not shooting a gun. You can't be shooting crazy yardages. Um, you want to be aiming for the smallest target. So I would start out with number one being aim small, miss small. Yep. I would throw number two to be a good mental state. Yep. If you've got a super busy lifestyle, if you're not focused on the task at hand, you're going to be missing a lot of shots. Yep. And you got to be prepared to know that you're going to miss. You want to, from everything, you know, from the draw process and just to the last breath before you're setting, you know, your last sight on the X, like that, that's a, a very large mental preparation for me. And I think about that a lot. You know, if we can be, getting all jacked up to be going to shoot to the 3d range. Yep. And that's great. If you've got Metallica pumping in the truck, <laughs> but if you're getting there and you're still thinking Metallica, I mean, maybe that's what works for you. But for me, I, I go, I doze right down to a very low calm spot yep. and now I'm ready to shoot. Okay. So that's your top two. What about your third? My third. Ooh, help a brother out. What are you going to tell him? I don't know. What would I tell them? So for number three, I, it's got to fall under the category of comfort. Um, and that stems from the bow you're shooting, the type of release you're shooting, the motion of your draw process. Um, for me, when I purchased my new Bowtech, it was the most comfortable bow I've held. And it took me a long time to shop around for a new bow because of the handle. And it needed a specific feel for the yep. grip in my hand. And, you know, a lot of people, Matthews, for instance, they've made a grip that's been a very thick grip. Yeah, the past the wood ones. For a long time, for a lot of their bows. Yep. So going to a bow tech, it was a big change. But I'm just going to say that they rounded off the edges from the backside of the riser. And that was so comforting for me. It didn't feel like it was too far off. Yep. But it gave me the comforting knowing that I'm I've got the bow that I've want that I want, and you know now I'm thinking about the release that I'm going to shoot. So I've always shot the wrist release, and now I want something that's also going to be in that same comfort level. That makes sense. So that's once what... I get into the last spot, it's now my draw pro- 
draw process and it's got to be one motion so you know practice 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 and the, the same most repetitive thing um you know we got a good buddy that's coming up in archery currently yep and he's trying to get all the motions to go through his head you know after time you know he'll get even frustrated with himself and we all did at one point but it's just you got to keep doing the same motions whether you got five motions or you got 10 motions that you're going through yep. those all have to work into be one and you got to think you know you're stabilizing your bow you're not quite at your back wall your sights on the x and you're just about to reach your back wall your elbows up high and now you're letting go yeah that's all got to be comfortable to you that makes sense so that's one two and three for everyone right while i'm picking your brain what makes that bow feel comfortable to you what is it that when you pick up different bows, you go, wow, that's comfortable. For you personally, what is it? Uh, well, like I mentioned, the grip is number one. So you don't like the fat grips? No, absolutely. No. Well, I don't. I shouldn't say I don't like them, but I don't know. I do like the fat grips. I don't like the skinny grips. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And I'm the opposite. Maybe that's just because I was on to Matthews for so long. Could be, yeah. But changing over to, you know, for instance, um, we'll talk quickly on your old bow, your bear. Yep. Your bear is... Super thin it's super thin and there's no extra handle to it. It's just, it's it's part of the riser. Yep. Right. Um, whereas if you look at Matthews, they had the walnut finish and that was almost like a knob, if you will. It was so big. Yeah. So Bowtech is kind of, it's an in-between the bear being just the riser, but it's also got two nice walnut pieces finishes on either side, but it's still thin. Yeah. I think for me personally, what makes that grip comfortable, a thin one for me is, I don't know if it's mentally, but I feel like, the less I'm contacting the bow, the less muscle I have to screw it up. Yep, for sure. So let the twitches aren't magnified. It just sits right in, right in the crease of my hand, right on a little bit of fatty part of my hand. Um, and that's the thinner the better for me. I, the bear actually came with a sleeve on top. You never got to see it on my bear. No. But it came with a big rubber sleeve over yep. top. Benefits, it was a lot warmer in the winter. <laughs> um, my hands freeze on that old aluminum bow, but... Yeah. It just didn't feel right. Mackenzie has the same grip, and he left his on on his bear. So that's a good point you make about the less contact, uh, less kind of muscles to seize up. And uh, if you've ever listened to any of the Knock On podcast by John Dudley, he talks on the actual thickness of that grip. And with more to hold on to, it's a lot of people begin to make a fist, and yep. everyone's heard the term to pistol grip. Yep. And that's something you don't want to be doing. If you try out these new Hoyts or even, you know, the Defiant, the older Hoyts, they're all very thin and it's so much less to contact to. If you basically make a circle with your three fingers up, your index finger touching the tip of your thumb finger, essentially that should be all that's holding on to your grip. Yeah, my hands kind of, my bow arm isn't straight up vertical. Basically my hand's on a 45 and it sits, the bow will sit vertically right in that crease for me. Yeah. And my... I know your fingers are straight out. That's how you are comfortably. My fingers curl in, but aren't, I'm not white knuckling at all. Yeah. My fingers just naturally kind of close on the boat and just rest on there. Mm -hmm. And that's where I am. My thumb is straight out on the other side. Mm -hmm. um, that's what makes it comfortable for me. So another big change for me, uh, back to your question, um, was the ATA in case nobody knows that's the axle, the axle of the bow. Yep. And I went from a 28 inch on the Matthews Creed to a 32 and five eighths on my Bowtech. Right. So now you're having your string angle, which is the angle at which the string comes in from the top cam and the bottom cam and it makes an angle at your, um, release. Now it's a lot less steep. 
Right. So now it's a little wider, which is a little bit more comfortable, I think. Right? Yeah. Oh, it's it's great. Um, I immediately felt that it was more accurate. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more bow to keep you stabilized, even without a stabilizer on it. Um, a shorter bow, you're kind of you're uh, you're wandering, if you will. And the longer bow, you've got a little more to stabilize your your up and right. down. Well, it's just physics, right? Exactly. Um, and if an object's not in motion, it's not going to get in motion, and unless it's moved upon. So if yep. it's heavier, it's actually harder to start that movement. Yeah. But if it's lighter, which is usually a shorter bow, is going to be a little lighter. Um, it's actually easier to torque around with. Um, I guess it's like picking up a rod in the middle. It's easier to hold it in the middle than yep. it is on one end because it's exactly. so much longer. Um, but yeah, so you like that new strangle angle. And that's what made that comfortable too. Yeah, I'm super happy. I would probably stick with a longer, um, a longer axle to axle. And I, when I was first shopping, I was actually looking at the six inch brace height, and that's something that I was real comfortable with as well. Yep. Um, I was just kind of talked into the seven inch. It was also more forgiving. It felt very nice. Yeah. So I you I shoot made the well choice. with it. Yep. You shoot really well with it. Yep. I could uh, make the change and be happy with either. So you got to pick my, or I got to pick your brain. Yeah. You going to pick my brain? Yeah. Why not? Oh, geez. So. I was hoping you'd say no. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to toot my own horn here. And you took me out last year on a product test, which was the tap stabilizer. Titanium archery products. We went out to Forest City Archery. Yep. And we did a little round. We were out there for about three hours. Yep. And I did not half bad compared to you. That is true. And you shot one hell of a game. You're, you're a really good archer. Don't let that get past you. Oh, I'm not. You can't catch it. I don't want you catching up. <laughs> so, You're there, but I don't want you to catch up. That's perfect. So how is it that you're going to keep that, um, you're going to maintain that high level of archery for this year, especially since we're going to be doing more 3D shoots? Right. And what is, you know, if you could give me a few pointers, what can I do to get past your level? Because I'm going to get past you. First of all, you're never going to get past you. <laughs> um, okay, so first and foremost, I'd say shoot more. Yep. Right? I want to be able to shoot as much as I possibly can, even if it's just grab my bag target in my backyard and shooting yep. 20 yards. Even if it's 15 minutes um, shooting arrows right after work or something, just trying to get in a couple reps a day, better than nothing. Uh, I think that's for most people. Now, for me, it's I love the competition. Yeah. So having an archer like you who's keeping me right on my toes, there are days that you shoot better than me. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, definitely are. And so knowing that, it kind of drives me to keep shooting and yeah. keep doing better because truth is, I don't want you to do better than me. <laughs> I love you as a friend, man, but that's not happening. Um, and so on the vi- uh, vice versa, when I started, I was shooting with buddies who were way better than me. Yeah. And so that drove me to be a better archer because – you don't want to be that guy who can never hit things. Like, yeah. um, you know, it's kind of like you're not going to – when we were shooting um, 100 yards, I was like, Cam, let's do it. You're like, oh, I don't know. I've never really done it. That pushed you to do it, though. Oh, yeah. Would you have done 100 yards? Never. Exactly. <laughs> you know, by yourself, you might not have. Now mm-hmm. you probably will. Mm-hmm. But the truth is having someone to push you there, even if they're not there at that exact second, knowing that they're going to be shoot with you again in the future kind of pushes you to be a better archer. Yeah. Um, simple stuff like maintaining your anchor and your proper form, um, equipment checkups, just making sure everything's kind of all right and your strings aren't, uh, stretching over time, replacing strings, waxing bow strings, um, not letting equipment fade. I think that's pretty standard for everyone. Yeah. 
Um, but I think to maintain at a relatively decent level of archery, it's practice and it's the drive of there is someone better than like, obviously I'm not saying I'm the best archer in the world. Hell no. <laughs> but that drives me to become the best archer in the world. And that's obviously that's where I'd want to be one day. Is it going to yeah. happen? Probably not. I know that. But it's nice knowing that there's someone better than me so I can get up to that level and pass that. Yeah. At the same time, I know there's people that are worse than me and I don't want them to catch up to me. So it's kind of like a push-pull, I guess I can call it. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. But it kind of drives me either way to become better. So with that said, um, because I get a lot of my info and my form and just about anything I can from you, um, and you help me a lot just for everything, um, you're already, you know, your anchor point, you have all these different things. You shot many different types of releases, arrows, a couple different bows. Yep, I shot every style of release. So you're already up there shooting real well. Why do you need to maintain? What do you do to maintain? Just keep doing that, you know? Like, you know, you can practice all you want, but why? Why do you keep doing that? So I think if you don't practice, you're going to go downhill. Right. So, I mean, there, if I... I bet if I didn't shoot for a full year and I picked up my bow, I'd be able to shoot a target at 20 yards. Sure. Yeah. Um, maybe I'd be able to hit 80 yards if I'm lucky. But the thing is, though, watching an X count on a five spot from where I'm practicing to where I pick it up after a year, it's going to be completely different. My anchor is probably going to feel a little different. My muscles are going to get a lot are going to get sore pretty quick because they're not being used. And archery muscles are a little bit different than our muscles used in everyday life. Yeah, even I just if, want to say, even if you go to the gym, yeah, even, I was you just going there. Out, <laughs> I was just going there. It doesn't compare. No, it's different. Um, you know, like you can curl probably ninety pounds, or like that's probably easy. Um, let's say you can curl two hundred pounds. Let's be a little dramatic. You're probably not going to be able to draw a ninety pound bow. Yeah, it's just such a different muscle group, and the motion of it is just different than what you use in everyday life, or even at the gym. You know, unless you're sitting there with cables at draw height and drawing back, maybe you can do it then. But for an average person, probably not. So it doesn't matter how good you are. It's just that constant practice. Yeah. One thing I'm finding for me, and I'm always just striving to learn more, and I want to, you know, this for knowledge as well, not just so much in the field, I want to know more than you. Yeah. is I'm listening to a lot of podcasts as well as like making them. Like Ontario Outdoor Pursuit. <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Knock on TV. He's just so informative. Great. It's yeah, very yeah. simple to listen to. I would love to be coached by him in person, mm -hmm. but be, listening to his podcasts and his YouTube videos and all the things he does on Instagram and Facebook, he coaches you virtually. Yeah. He'll walk you through the process of what a proper draw should look like, what a proper anchor should look like, what a proper, um, how to know your draw weight, what you should be shooting. Um, he kind of walks you through everything, but he also does that equipment setup that you and I don't get into. Yeah. Um, you know, where he's talking strand counts in your bowstring. He's talking um, how to fix perfectly cam lead and stuff. It's stuff that you and I don't do. And, mm -hmm. I mean, it could be attributed that we don't own a bow press. Um, I'd like to get into that someday if we did ever yeah, get a bow, a bow press. press. Yeah, it'd be fun. But, I mean, like, you and I can do simple stuff, D-loops, and I know how to tie serving. Like, the small stuff, sure, but it's cool to see his extremely high level of equipment's maintenance and setup and tuning mm -hmm. um something random out there when you're setting up when he sets up rest he does what's called the hill uh method which is horizontal impact line method for tuning 
probably the greatest tuning method out there. Way better than paper tuning, better than French tuning. Um, and it's it's awesome, but he provided that knowledge for free. Yeah. And so it's it's awesome to see someone out there do that for you. Yeah. And not to that degree, but that's what I liked out of this podcast too, to be able to inform people and help them out, but also to be able to, you know, shoot the stuff back and forth and be able to just hang out. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, no, that's that's great. Thanks for uh, throwing me on the spot there. I had to, I kind of like stumbled there. I didn't know what to say. No, that's that's great. And I think we talked a lot of you know different techniques. I hope enough. And if there's any more that someone wants to hear more about, if uh, you're just kind of getting into listening, don't hesitate to ask. Yeah. You don't have to send us you know a, a message on a a photo. You can send us a DM. And, you know, we'll definitely get back to you. Absolutely. And even if it's something like, hey, I'm just about to buy my first bow, what should I get? I'm not dedicated to a certain brand. I've shot Matthew bows. I've shot Hoyt bows. I've shot Bear bows. I've shot Bowtex, Diamonds. Um, I think a few more brands out there. And the thing is, though, you and I are just basically average people. Yep. Pretty good archers, but we're average people. And we're not going to tell you, oh, we only shoot Hoyts. That's not true. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're going to give an honest opinion of what you should get. And... We, w- we wanted to shoot the same bow. We thought that would be pretty cool, Ontario and Darper <laughs> shoot. Both shooting the same bow. But Cam bought a Bowtech. And I'm not getting a Hoyt, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, truth be told, they're both great bows. But <laughs> it's kind of fun to have a little bit of a competition. But, yeah, like, you know, we're not specific to anything. Just don't hesitate to mes- message us for any questions and send us your stories, send us your photos and we'll have lots uploaded this week for uh, some different cooking stuff out on the pit boss. Oh um, yeah. Had some great burgers tonight. Yeah. Those were good venison burgers. Yeah. And what else were we going to get uploaded? We've got a review for the titanium archery products, as we mentioned yep, earlier, the quick disconnect and the string stop. Um, also we have the waterfowl special coming up, which is going to be all about waterfowl. Cool. A uh, special guest brought on for that one. And I know in the future, I got to, well, more like Cam and I have to figure out a certain date to do it. We're going to have a very, very special guest who trains extremely high-end hunting dogs, which go to Texas for congressmen, which is crazy for us to have them. But uh, we got to figure out a perfect time and date that that's going to work. Add to that, we'll put on one more special guest, and this is someone who is helping us tremendously in the archery field. We'll give a shout out to him later on, but we appreciate him more than he probably knows. And I know he has agreed to speaking on with us and you guys will get the full informative piece on a lot of the products we're talking about. And we talk about the products all the time. So just a little hint. (laughs) He's probably sitting there like, oh, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's you. Thanks for joining in everyone. Don't forget to see us next week for episode number seven. So you can find us now on Instagram, on Ontario Outdoor Pursuit, and our website, OntarioOutdoorPursuit.com. And I think we're pretty good. See you next week. See you next week.